This is Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm your host, Daryl Chutka, a general internist at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. The number of individuals over the age of 65 is increasing. Currently, this group represents approximately 13% of the population. And over the next 30 years, this number is expected to increase to over 20%. Our goal as healthcare providers is to help our elderly patients live long, healthy lives. Preventive health for the older patient hopefully helps this happen, yet preventive health care becomes more complicated as patients age. Ideally, screening tests are meant to detect treatable disease early in its course and prevent premature morbidity and mortality. Yet when we're dealing with an elderly population, do preventive screening tests continue to improve the quality and duration of life? Are there specific screening tests which are more appropriate for younger patients? And are there screening tests which are better suited for the elderly? We'll discuss these questions with Dr. Christina Chen, a geriatrician practicing in community internal medicine at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Welcome, Christina. Thank you, Daryl. It's good to be back. Well, let's talk about screening tests. Uh, Let's define what a good screening test consists of. Yeah, I I think a, a good screening test is something that will generate a high yield quality outcome. So it's something that is easy to perform, um, something that is inexpensive, non-invasive, and useful in detecting disease at an early stage where ideally treatment will work at its best. So right now when we think of screening tests for a healthy adult, we think of things like um, colon cancer screening, breast cancer, mammograms, um, lung cancer if the risk profile is appropriate, or screening items for early detection of chronic disease like diabetes Mm -hmm. or hypertension. Um, high cholesterol. And the ultimate goal is to help people promote healthy lifestyle choices and our aims are, you know, helping them achieve good health and well-being so we can all live long, happy, healthy lives like the Vulcan culture in in Star Trek, right? Live long and prosper. Um, (laughs) But here's the thing. Um, Most, the majority of older adults end up having at least one chronic health condition Mm -hmm. and the large portion have at least two or more. So at the end of the day, we can do diligence with the you know best preventive services and screening, but this does not turn back time. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, at some point, the physiologic changes of aging are inevitable, and there are lots of things we can't prevent, like degeneration, um, sarcopenia, muscle wasting, frailty. All of these things lead to a whole subset of problems that are not routinely addressed in the primary care setting and I think are very important to do in the older adult population. So what... Let's say a patient comes to you. It's a new patient, new to town. You've not seen this patient before. Uh, what would you do for a good health screening exam for a patient who, say, is over 65? Yeah, I, I think all adults should be offered the opportunity to undergo a routine preventive health cert, uh, screening as recommended by the United States Preventive Services Task Force. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, this has been proven to. Um, help people live longer lives and healthier lives. However, I think particular attention and additional considerations need to be made for the older adult. And this is where kind of the art of medicine comes in. Um, How do we individualize the most appropriate screening services for each older adult who may have different needs and different goals? 
Um, so we all know that older adults have unique needs, right? They have a different set of health problems. They suffer from different symptoms compared to the younger adult populations. They deal with additional issues that we don't often think about, like hearing loss and vision loss. Oh, maybe you may be starting to experience some of. Not, I'm totally what, not saying that you're what, old. What, what, not, what, not. I didn't hear you. What'd you say? <laughs> so just from from your experience, you know, things change mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. time, and I think you know, functional impairment um, is a big cause of disability, and um, older folks lose independence that way. So all of these affects older adults in in different ways, and I think we have to remember that the goal of preventive health is not just to help people live longer, Mm -hmm. but to help them live well. And living well for older adults is different. So we kind of need to shift our focus a little bit. Um, So when we do a good health screening exam for an older adult, we should be screening for things that put their function at risk, Mm -hmm. um, putting their um, cognition at risk, or any active health concerns that may be affecting their symptom burden. So for example, screening for things that affect Um, Their cognitive and mental health may be, you know, checking for signs of depression or checking for signs of cognitive impairment, Um, checking for, you know, sleep issues. All of this can affect cognition adversely. If we're talking about screening for um, uh, things that uh, threaten function, this includes asking about falls and injuries. Mm -hmm. Um, It just takes one fall to lead to a major broken bone, hip fracture, and that could change someone's function forever. So, you know, looking at um, functional impairment in in terms of home safety, are they able to still do their activities of daily living? Are they able to care for themselves independently? And you'd be surprised how many older adults are living in the community by themselves and they cannot um, take care of themselves. They live in a state of neglect, and I think it's our job to identify these, these vulnerable individuals. Um, so a lot to consider. And, and lastly, you know, I think we should always be proactive about um, screening for things that will threaten their physical health. So it's important to continue to evaluate their blood pressure and, and blood sugars, screening for cardiovascular health, and offer cancer screening options if it's appropriate for them and within their uh, goals of care. Mm-hmm. Well, I know prior to me completing a geriatrics fellowship, I used to think that care of the elderly was just basically internal medicine of an older person, but they are a unique group of individuals. They have needs different from the younger population, and what's appropriate for the younger group may not be appropriate for the elderly, and just the same thing. You would maybe ask about uh, the risk of falling in a 30-year-old. That risk is extremely low, but in an 80-year-old, that's that's a big difference. Oh, absolutely. Um, You know, one in three older adults fall yearly, and Minnesota actually has the highest fall rate among older adults. It might be related to the weather. I don't know. But um, statistically, this is happening more and more frequent. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and that's not just falls. There's different other geriatric syndromes, too, that we can kind of touch on later. But we really need to focus not just on healthy screening items, but also even more in depth and detail of what an older adult may be experiencing. Mm-hmm. So we're really targeting the health conditions that are more likely to occur in the elderly population. Those are more high yield questions and exams uh, for this portion of the population. Absolutely. 
So um, asking them, you know, just a simple question, how are you functioning at home? Are you able to get around at home? How are you doing your, uh, your how, how are you getting your groceries and getting out in the community? Uh, these are questions that we don't often ask our 30 year old because they usually don't have those issues. Mm-hmm. Well, we all have less and less time to see our patients. It seems every year they're cutting back the amount of time we have with our patients. So if you had a limited amount of time and you were going to perform a physical exam, uh, what specific parts would you consider the most high yield that you would not want to uh, skip? Yeah, good question. I, I think, um, you know, if we're going from head to toe, um, it's always good to do a good vision or hearing exam um, or refer to someone who can do that because sensory loss is a, a big risk factor of, of cognitive impairment. Mm-hmm. Um, always good, do a good oral, uh, a dental exam, um, oral health, because that can affect chewing, swallowing, and ultimately their, their nutrition. And that's often something that's neglected on the physical yeah, exam, yeah. especially in the younger patients. Absolutely. Um, also, you know, a, a good um, cardiopulmonary examination and a musculoskeletal exam can, you know, give you a lot of information about how multiple systems may be contributing to their functional impairment and fall risk. A test that is very underutilized that has um, great sensitivity for one's function and a marker of frailty is actually one's gait speed. How fast can you walk? Um, We don't really think about this much, but this is considered a sixth vital sign in the geriatric world and actually plays a large role in predicting one's um, life expectancy and their survival. Yeah, so in addition to blood pressure, heart rate, respirations, just check check how fast they're walking. It, it actually makes a, a big difference in terms of mortality mm-hmm. and uh, predicting their survival. Well, let's turn to the traditional screening tests that uh, we often perform in our patients as they grow older and see how they may change in the older population and maybe when we can stop doing them, um, such as mammograms. Yeah, I think, you know, the... The USPSTF have, they have very clear guidelines about the age range for different cancer screening. Mm -hmm. Um, So mammograms typically start at, um, for for women age um, 40, Mm -hmm. and it can um, go on for however long. If they have a history of breast cancer, then it may go on longer, and it also depends on their life expectancy. So, you know, I'm not going to bore you with the details of all the other screening um, exams, but I think, you know, having the conversation with patients who um, who may want to continue with screening forever may be a little bit awkward mm-hmm. because, you know, we, we always have to guide them along that path a little bit, you know, and I usually start off with the notion that, you know, there's a, there's a time to start screening, but there's also a time to stop. Right. And when is a good time to stop? Um, most preventive services have only been shown to be effective in folks who live on average another five to 15 years. And so, you know, the, this then usually drives a very meaningful conversation about life expectancy, prognosis, their current quality of life, and their goals in life, which is always good to have as early as possible. So it kind of shifts the framework a little bit to help them think about not just screening forever, mm-hmm. but when's a good time to stop. And it's different for each individual. Um, I think. You know, the patient's needs come first, so always ask what they're comfortable with um, and come to kind of a, um, a decision together. Mm-hmm. Colon Same. screening is another another topic, and uh, we have to be aware that uh, colonoscopy is not a uh, test without risk. Right. And as one gets older, the colon gets more tortuous, thinner, and more easily punctured, which is a very serious complication. 
And also knowing that the fact that polyps probably take at least 10 years from turning into from a polyp to a malignancy, there's probably a time when we can stop doing colonoscopy too. Yeah, and it's, it's surprising. I have a lot of older adults in their 80s, late 80s still getting colonoscopies, not necessarily for cancer screening, but then they're having issues with, you know, um, complications from diverticulosis mm-hmm. and um, inflammatory bowel diseases, um, just rectal bleeding in general. And so we're seeing the the need for colonoscopies shifting for other indications as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of screening, again, it's kind of the same approach as the mammogram is, you know, looking at the life expectancy and if they're really, their prognosis does not look good, they're in pretty poor health, um, they have a pretty good understanding of what the outcomes are for effective screening measures. Mm-hmm. And so having that conversation, I think, is really key because most of them don't even, they've never even had that conversation before, and right. it's just helpful to initiate that. And how about cervical pap smears? Pap smears for women, um, we stop at age 65. Mm-hmm. If they've had normal pap smears their entire lives, no recent uh, symptoms um, or risk factors, but um, some in the past may have had exposure to DES, you know, in, in utero or uh, atypical cells from previous um, pap smears. And so sometimes th- those can go on a little bit longer. Are you looking for up-to-date CME on geriatrics? Attend the geriatric update for the primary care provider held November 14th, 2019 at Mayo Clinic in lovely Rochester, Minnesota. You can maximize your time by receiving the latest need-to-know updates and practice models for evaluating, managing, and caring for your geriatric patients. You can meet me there as well. I'll be speaking on urinary incontinence. Registration for this popular course fills up quickly. Visit ce.mayo.edu slash geriatrics2019 for more information. Join us weekly here at Mayo Clinic Talks as we discuss best practices and burning questions. Subscribe today using iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. Do you ever get patients who are so used to having these tests performed routinely and then they come in and all of a sudden they say, well, we don't need to do this anymore. Um, what is their reaction? It, it varies. Some um, are very proactive about their, their health, so they're just like, you know, I want to do this as for as long as I can. And I, I think it's important to listen to their concerns, listen to their goals, because ultimately our, our role as physicians is, is to help them help guide them through their health trajectory. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, at some point, they say, I'm done. Mm-hmm. And it's it's from conversations that you've had in the past about what's useful and what's not that help them come to the understanding of what they feel like would be beneficial for them. Right. And usually we have other conversations about what adds to their quality of life, and it's not necessarily a colonoscopy at age 95 that's going to do it. Right. You know, a, a 95-year-old community-dwelling older adult may find more meaningful screening for falls and um, reducing their functional disability to keep them at home for as long as possible Mm -hmm. than to do another colon cancer screening. Well, and some of these tests aren't easy, uh, especially the colonoscopy. I've got a a 
90, not quite 90, about 88-year-old male that I'm following who has had polyps on most of his colonoscopies. So these have gone farther into his age than most of my patients, but he is now having the most difficulty with the colon prep. Mm, yeah. Uh, not the procedure, but the prep just to get to the screening test. Yeah. So yeah. And you have I, to think about that, too. I watched my mother go through it for the first time the other day, and she she couldn't eat for a whole day. She was on a liquid diet, and that that process in itself made her very weak and, and tired. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end, the colonoscopy looked fine, but she, she was wiped out for a good week or so after that process. Yeah. So it, it, we have to think about these implications as well. Well, in addition to the uh, U.S. Preventive Services Task Force, does the American Geriatric Society have its own recommendations for what we should be doing? So, um, yes. So there's kind of a subset of screening items that we should be considering for our older adult population, Um, you know, beyond just a system-based or organ approach. Um, So, you know, additional things that we should be screening for the endocrine system, for example, are osteoporosis, mm-hmm. um, maybe more routine items for diabetes and uh, hypertension, which becomes more prevalent with age and, and obesity. Um, for those who are on multiple uh, medications, for example, hypertensive regimen, diuretics, it's always good to check their kidney function, electrolytes. Um, but mostly is, you know, in the, in the world of geriatrics, function is everything. Mm-hmm. And right now it's hard for us to imagine what it's like to lose function because we're all fairly young and healthy, but it impacts so much. And if, if you can't mobilize well and you can't do basic things to care for yourself, that's by definition a disability. And so um, a lot of the recommendations in addition to standard screening is function-based, um, lifestyle-based, cognition-based. Um, so these are all things that we need to think about uh, incorporating as a routine part of our mm-hmm. process. I, I don't do nearly the amount of geriatrics that I used to, but I do recall that the social aspects of caring for the elderly patient were significantly more complicated than the medical parts. Yeah, that's uh, true. You know, just looking at their independence and how to maximize that and make them independent as long as possible, uh, reduce their risk of falls, uh, increase their safety, uh, driving is a big issue. All of these things take a fair amount of time and uh, the medical parts are pretty straightforward. That's, that's true. I, I think, you know, we're pretty preoccupied as physicians to make sure that people, all of our patients fulfill a, a checklist, right? They have to, that all of our T's are crossed, our I's are dotted, that we're fulfilling all recommendations from um, USPSTF or mm-hmm. wherever. And we often forget that, you know, these people have lives beyond just health issues. Um, where they're living, who's taking care of them, um, things that threaten their independence, like being able to drive. Obviously, we want, we want to preserve that as much as possible. We want to try to help uh, folks live, uh, age in place well for as long as possible. But mm-hmm. um, that, that so many other factors play into that, like who, who takes care of them um, and looking at their financial sustainability. Um, so it, that's all, all part of what we call a comprehensive geriatric assessment, which takes, honestly, probably a couple hours to do, mm-hmm. but it's it's helpful for the general internist to know those components of it mm-hmm. so that they're tackling a couple pieces at a time and addressing some more meaningful aspects of their life so that they can stay in the community for as long as possible and um, not risk institutionalization and sure. hospitalization. Plus, looking at the future. 
Um, how long can this individual remain in their home? Uh, can they use assistance with housekeeping, with meal preparation? Um, how about transportation, other alternatives? So you need to look at all of these things in terms of when things are likely to change. Uh, advanced directives become important. All of these issues that are going to have to be answered at some point, it's best to get some of these things talked about early before you actually need them. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. And um, it's it starts to become obvious when these questions need to be brought up is when you see a clear transition between someone who's in relatively good health and functional to all of a sudden they've had a couple hospitalizations and they're starting to need more help. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's important to know when that transition happens and if, if possible even earlier so that you can start targeting exactly the questions that you're talking about mm -hmm. so that we can address um, those specific issues. I, and a lot of older adults are going through this um, kind of pattern of repeated hospitalization because there's that transitional piece of care that's just not always being addressed very well. And so our, our models of care moving forward are, are, are to help with that um, medium in between is when they go from hospital to hospital or nursing home, how can we make those things a little bit more smooth so that this doesn't keep happening over mm -hmm. and over? And it's usually some sort of uh, social issue that's not quite, um, you know, optimized or or it's not often the medical issue, um, although if it's like a chronic health issue, heart failure, you know, the COPD, those are separate problems. Sure. Yep. Yeah. So, Christina, our audience is primary care providers, and if you had to summarize uh, recommendations for preventive health in the older patient, what would you tell them in just a few sentences? I would respond to that with what I consider to be the three most important domains of health for the older adult. And that would be cognition, function, and physical symptoms. Mm -hmm. And so if we can identify a couple concerns from each domain to screen, so cognition, for example, looking at their mental health, sleep health, um, you know, any, any signs of memory loss mm -hmm. um, in, their, in their functional components, how, how active they are at home, what they're still able to do in terms of ADLs. Physical symptoms are, are a huge thing. If, if, you're not, if you're not feeling well, you know, quality of life is not good. Right. And so we're not asking you to do a whole comprehensive geriatric assessment, but those are, I think, the three most important spheres of influence. If you can target a couple from each domain, mm -hmm. helping with their sleep health, depression, making sure they're functional at home, Get, getting them the therapy needs that they, that would be beneficial and also addressing some physical symptoms that could play a huge role that can make a world of difference um, so you know an, a 95 year old frail community dwelling gentleman may not benefit from any more lab work or screening but keeping him at home by assessing their cognitive functional health um, may really add to his quality of life mm -hmm. or for example another a 75-year-old woman who may be struggling with obesity will absolutely benefit from screening from diabetes and hypertension, but perhaps, you know, picking up an undiagnosed depression or addressing her physical symptom of chronic pain would be more effective in um, getting her on a better fitness plan towards well-being. So a lot of it is individual individualizing care um, and being more mindful about what screening would be helpful and beneficial and what would not be that was more than 
a couple sentences, but that's okay. Hard to that's all right. summarize complex care in it is. in, uh, in a, a single sentence. <laughs> well, we've been discussing preventive health for the older patient with Dr. Christina Chen, a geriatrician at Mayo Clinic in Rochester. Christina, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. Thank you. It's great to be here. You can now listen to over 60 previously recorded Mayo Clinic Talks podcasts. Listen in at ce.mayo.edu. If you've enjoyed Mayo Clinic Talks podcasts, please subscribe. Stay healthy and see you next week.